Story fifteen of Christmas Stories by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story fifteen Somebody's Luggage Part two On market days alone its great place suddenly leaped out of bed. On market days some friendly enchanter struck his staff upon the stones of the great place, and instantly arose the liveliest booths and stalls, and sittings and standings, and a pleasant hum of chaffering and huckstering from many hundreds of tongues, and a pleasant, though peculiar, blending of colours—white caps, blue blouses, and green vegetables and at last the night destined for the adventure seemed to have come in earnest and all the vaubanois sprang up awake and now by long low-lying avenues of trees jolting in white-hooded donkey-cart and on donkey-back and in tumbrel and wagon and cart and cabriolet and afoot with barrow and burden and along the dikes and ditches and canals and little peak-proud country boats came peasant men and women in flocks and crowds bringing articles for sale and here you had boots and shoes and sweetmeats and stuffs to wear and here in the cool shade of the town hall you had milk and cream and butter and cheese and here you had fruits and onions and carrots and all things needful for your soup and here you had poultry and flowers and protesting pigs and here new shovels axes spades and bill-hooks for your farming work and here huge mounds of bread and here your unground grain in sacks and here your children's dolls and here the cake-seller announcing his wares by beat and roll of drum and hark fanfaronade of trumpets and here into the great place resplendent in an open carriage with four gorgeously attired servitors up behind playing horns drums and cymbals rolled the daughter of a physician in massive golden chains and car rings and blue feathered hat shaded from the admiring sun by two immense umbrellas of artificial roses to dispense from motives of philanthropy that small and pleasant dose which had cured so many thousands toothache earache headache heartache stomachache debility nervousness fits fainting fever ague all equally cured by the small and pleasant dose of the great physician's great daughter the process was this she the daughter of a physician proprietress of the superb equipage you now admired with its confirmatory blasts of trumpet drum and cymbal told you so on the first day after taking the small and pleasant dose you would feel no particular influence beyond a most harmonious sensation of indescribable and irresistible joy on the second day you would be so astonishingly better that you would think yourself changed into somebody else on the third day you would be entirely free from your disorder whatever its nature and however long you had had it and would seek out the physician's daughter to throw yourself at her feet kiss the hem of her garment and buy as many more of the small and pleasant doses as by the sale of all your few effects you could obtain but she would be inaccessible gone for herbs to the pyramids of egypt and you would be though cured reduced to despair thus would the physician's daughter drive her trade 
and briskly too and thus would the buying and selling and mingling of tongues and colours continue until the changing sunlight leaving the physician's daughter in the shadow of high roofs admonished her to jolt out westward with a departing effect of gleam and glitter on the splendid equipage and brazen blast and now the enchanter struck his staff upon the stones of the great place once more and down went the booths the sittings and standings and vanished the merchandise and with it the barrows donkeys donkey-carts and tumbrils and all other things on wheels and feet except the slow scavengers with unwieldy carts and meagre horses clearing up the rubbish assisted by the sleek town pigeons better plumped out than on non-market days while there was yet an hour or two to wane before the autumn sunset the loiterer outside town gate and drawbridge and postern and double hitch would see the last white-hooded cart lessening in the avenue of lengthening shadows of trees or the last country boat paddled by the last market-woman on her way home showing black upon the reddening long low narrow dyke between him and the mill and as the paddle-parted scum and weed closed over the boat's track, he might be comfortably sure that its sluggish rest would be troubled no more until next market-day. As it was not one of the great place's days for getting out of bed, when Mr. the Englishman looked down at the young soldiers practising the goose-step there, his mind was left at liberty to take a military turn these fellows are billeted everywhere about said he and to see them lighting the people's fires boiling the people's pots minding the people's babies rocking the people's cradles washing the people's greens and making themselves generally useful in every sort of unmilitary way is most ridiculous never saw such a set of fellows never did in my life all perfectly true again was there not private valentine in that very house acting as sole housemaid valet cook steward and nurse in the family of his captain monsieur le capitaine de la cour cleaning the floors making the beds doing the marketing dressing the captain dressing the dinners dressing the salads and dressing the baby all with equal readiness or to put him aside he being in loyal attendance on his chief was there not private hippolyte billeted at the perfumer's two hundred yards off who when not on duty volunteered to keep shop while the fair perfumeress stepped out to speak to a neighbour or so and laughingly sold soap with his war-sword girded on him was there not emile billeted at the clockmaker's perpetually turning to of an evening with his coat off winding up the stock was there not eugene billeted at the tinman's cultivating pipe in mouth a garden four feet square for the tinman in the little court behind the shop and extorting the fruits of the earth from the same on his knees with the sweat of his brow not to multiply examples was there not baptiste billeted on the poor water-carrier at that very instant sitting on the pavement in the sunlight with his martial legs asunder and one of the water-carrier's spare pails between them which to the delight and glory of the heart of the water-carrier coming across the place from the fountain yoked and burdened he was painting bright green outside and bright red within 
or to go no farther than the barber's at the very next door was there not corporal theophile no said mr the englishman glancing down at the barber's he is not there at present there's the child though a mere mite of a girl stood on the steps of the barber's shop looking across the place a mere baby one might call her dressed in the close white linen cap which small french country children wear like the children in dutch pictures and in a frock of homespun blue that had no shape except where it was tied round her little fat throat so that being naturally short and round all over she looked behind as if she had been cut off at her natural waist and had had her head neatly fitted on it there's the child though to judge from the way in which the dimpled hand was rubbing the eyes the eyes had been closed in a nap and were newly opened but they seemed to be looking so intently across the place that the englishman looked in the same direction oh said he presently i thought as much the corporal's there the corporal a smart figure of a man of thirty perhaps a thought under the middle size but very neatly made a sunburnt corporal with a brown peaked beard faced about at the moment addressing voluble words of instruction to the squad in hand nothing was amiss or awry about the corporal a lithe and nimble corporal quite complete from the sparkling dark eyes under his knowing uniform cap to his sparkling white gaiters the very image and presentment of a corporal of his country's army in the line of his shoulders the line of his waist the broadest line of his bloomer trousers and their narrowest line at the calf of his leg mr the englishman looked on and the child looked on and the corporal looked on but the last named at his men until the drill ended a few minutes afterwards and the military sprinkling dried up directly and was gone then said mr the englishman to himself look here by george and the corporal dancing towards the barbers with his arms wide open caught up the child held her over his head in a flying attitude caught her down again kissed her and made off with her into the barber's house now mr the englishman had had a quarrel with his erring and disobedient and disowned daughter and there was a child in that case too had not his daughter been a child and had she not taken angel flights above his head as this child had flown above the corporal's he's a national participled fool said the englishman and shut his window but the windows of the house of memory and the windows of the house of mercy are not so easily closed as windows of glass and wood they fly open unexpectedly they rattle in the night they must be nailed up mr the englishman had tried nailing them but had not driven the nails quite home so he passed but a disturbed evening and a worse night by nature a good-tempered man no very little gentleness confounding the quality with weakness fierce and wrathful when crossed very and stupendously unreasonable moody exceedingly so vindictive well he had had scowling thoughts that he would formally curse his daughter as he had seen it done on the stage but remembering that the real heaven is some paces removed from the mock one in the great chandelier of the theatre he had given that up and he had come abroad to be rid of his repudiated daughter for the rest of his life and here he was 
at bottom it was for this reason more than for any other that mr the englishman took it extremely ill that corporal theophile should be so devoted to little babelle the child at the barber's shop in an unlucky moment he had chanced to say to himself why confound the fellow he is not her father there was a sharp sting in the speech which ran into him suddenly and put him in a worse mood so he had national participled the unconscious corporal with most hearty emphasis and had made up his mind to think no more about such a mountebank but it came to pass that the corporal was not to be dismissed if he had known the most delicate fibres of the englishman's mind instead of knowing nothing on earth about him and if he had been the most obstinate corporal in the grand army of france instead of being the most obliging he could not have planted himself with more determined immovability plump in the midst of all the englishman's thoughts not only so but he seemed to be always in his view mr the englishman had but to look out the window to look upon the corporal with little babelle he had but to go for a walk and there was the corporal walking with babelle he had but to come home again disgusted and the corporal and babelle were at home before him if he looked out at his back windows early in the morning the corporal was in the barber's back yard washing and dressing and brushing babelle if he took refuge at his front windows the corporal brought his breakfast out into the place and shared it there with babelle always corporal and always babelle never corporal without babelle never babelle without corporal mr the englishman was not particularly strong in the french language as a means of oral communication though he read it very well it is with languages as with people when you only know them by sight you are apt to mistake them you must be on speaking terms before you can be said to have established an acquaintance for this reason mr the englishman had to gird up his loins considerably before he could bring himself to the point of exchanging ideas with madame bouclet on the subject of this corporal and this babelle but madame bouclet looking in apologetically one morning to remark that oh heaven she was in a state of desolation because the lamp-maker had not sent home that lamp confided to him to repair but that truly he was a lamp-maker against whom the whole world shrieked out mr the englishman seized the occasion madame that baby pardon monsieur that lamp no no that little girl but pardon said madame bouclet angling for a clue one cannot light a little girl or send her to be repaired the little girl at the house of the barber ah cried madame bouclet suddenly catching the idea with her delicate little line and rod little babelle yes 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 and her friend the corporal yes 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 so genteel of him is it not he is not not at all not at all he is not one of her relations not at all why then he perfectly cried madame bouclet you are right monsieur it is so genteel of him the less relation the more genteel as you say is she the child of the barber madame bouclet whisked up her skilful little line and rod again not at all not at all she is the child of in a word of no one the wife of the barber then indubitably as you say the wife of the barber receives a small stipend to take care of her 
so much by the month eh, then it is without doubt very little for we are all poor here you are not poor madame as to my lodgers replied madame bouclet with a smiling and a gracious bend of her head no as to all things else so-so you flatter me madame monsieur it is you who flatter me in living here certain fishy gasps on mr the englishman's part denoting that he was about to resume his subject under difficulties madame bouclet observed him closely and whisked up her delicate line and rod again with triumphant success oh no monsieur certainly not the wife of the barber is not cruel to the poor child but she is careless her health is delicate and she sits all day looking out at window consequently when the corporal first came the poor little babelle was much neglected it is a curious began mr the englishman name that babelle again you are right monsieur but it is a playful name for gabrielle and so the child is a mere fancy of the corporal's said mr the englishman in a gruffly disparaging tone of voice ah well returned madame bouclet with a pleading shrug one must love something human nature is weak devilish weak muttered the englishman in his own tongue and the corporal pursued madame bouclet being billeted at the barber's where he will probably remain a long time for he is attached to the general and finding the poor unowned child in need of being loved and finding himself in need of loving why there you have it all you see mr the englishman accepted this interpretation of the matter with an indifferent grace and observed to himself in an injured manner when he was again alone i shouldn't mind it so much if these people were not such a national participled sentimental people there was a cemetery outside the town and it happened ill for the reputation of the vaubanois in this sentimental connection that he took a walk there that same afternoon to be sure there were some wonderful things in it from the englishman's point of view and of a certainty in all britain you would have found nothing like it not to mention the fanciful flourishes of hearts and crosses in wood and iron that were planted all over the place making it look very like a firework ground where a most splendid pyrotechnic display might be expected after dark there were so many wreaths upon the graves embroidered as it might be to my mother to my daughter to my father to my brother to my sister to my friend and those many wreaths were in so many stages of elaboration and decay from the wreath of yesterday all fresh colour and bright beads to the wreath of last year a poor mouldering wisp of straw there were so many little gardens and grottoes made upon graves in so many tastes with plants and shells and plaster figures and porcelain pitchers and so many odds and ends there were so many tributes of remembrance hanging up not to be discriminated by the closest inspection from little round waiters whereon were depicted in glowing hues either a lady or a gentleman with a white pocket-handkerchief out of all proportion leaning in a state of the most faultless mourning and most profound affliction on the most architectural and gorgeous urn 
there were so many surviving wives who had put their names on the tombs of their deceased husbands with a blank for the date of their own departure from this weary world and there were so many surviving husbands who had rendered the same homage to their deceased wives and out of the number there must have been so many who had long ago married again in fine there was so much in the place that would have seemed mere frippery to a stranger save for the consideration that the lightest paper flower that lay upon the poorest heap of earth was never touched by a rude hand but perished there a sacred thing nothing of the solemnity of death here mr the englishman had been going to say when this last consideration touched him with a mild appeal and on the whole he walked out without saying it but these people are he insisted by way of compensation when he was well outside the gate they are so participled sentimental his way back lay by the military gymnasium ground and there he passed the corporal glibly instructing young soldiers how to swing themselves over rapid and deep watercourses on their way to glory by means of a rope and himself deftly plunging off a platform and flying a hundred feet or so as an encouragement to them to begin and there he also passed perched on a crowning eminence probably by the corporal's careful hands the small bebelle with her round eyes wide open surveying the proceeding like a wondering sort of blue and white bird if that child was to die this was his reflection as he turned his back and went his way and it would almost serve the fellow right for making such a fool of himself i suppose we should have him sticking up a wreath and a waiter in that fantastic burying-ground nevertheless after another early morning or two of looking out of window and strolling down into the place when the corporal and bebelle were walking there and touching his hat to the corporal an immense achievement wished him a good day good day monsieur this is a rather pretty child you have here said mr the englishman taking her chin in his hand and looking down into her astonished blue eyes sure she is a very pretty child returned the corporal with a stress on his polite correction of the phrase and good said the englishman and very good poor little thing ah the englishman stooped down and patted her cheeks not without awkwardness as if he were going too far in his conciliation and what is this medal round your neck my little one bebelle having no other reply on her lips than her chubby right fist the corporal offered his services as interpreter monsieur demands what is this bebelle it is the holy virgin said bebelle and who gave it you asked the englishman Théophile and who is Théophile? Babel broke into a laugh, laughed merrily and heartily, clapped her chubby hands, and beat her little feet on the stone pavement of the place. He doesn't know Théophile. Why, he doesn't know anyone. He doesn't know anything. Then, sensible of a small solecism in her manners, Babel twisted her right hand in a leg of the corporal's bloomer trousers, and, laying her cheek against the place, kissed it. Monsieur Théophile, I believe, said the Englishman to the corporal. It is I, monsieur. Permit me, Mr. the Englishman shook him heartily by the hand and turned away. 
then he took it mightily ill that old monsieur mutuel in his patch of sunlight upon whom he came as he turned should pull off his cap to him with a look of pleased approval and he muttered in his own tongue as he returned the salutation well walnut shell and what business is it of yours mr the englishman went on for many weeks passing but disturbed evenings and worse nights and constantly experiencing that those aforesaid windows in the houses of memory and mercy rattled after dark and that he had very imperfectly nailed them up likewise he went on for many weeks daily improving the acquaintance of the corporal and bebel that is to say he took bebel by the chin and the corporal by the hand and offered bebel sous and the corporal cigars and even got the length of changing pipes with the corporal and kissing bebel but he did it all in a shamefaced way and always took it extremely ill that monsieur mutuel in his patch of sunlight should note what he did whenever that seemed to be the case he always growled in his own tongue there you are again walnut shell what business is it of yours in a word it had become the occupation of mr the englishman's life to look after the corporal and the little bebel and to resent old monsieur mutuel's looking after him an occupation only varied by a fire in the town one windy night and much passing of water-buckets from hand to hand in which the englishman rendered good service and much beating of drums when all of a sudden the corporal disappeared next all of a sudden bebel disappeared she had been visible a few days later than the corporal sadly deteriorated as to washing and brushing but she had not spoken when addressed by mr the englishman and had looked scared and had run away and now it would seem that she had run away for good and there lay the great place under the windows bare and barren in his shamefaced and constrained way the englishman asked no question of any one but watched from his front windows and watched from his back windows and lingered about the place and peeped in at the barber shop and did all this and much more with a whistling and tune-humming pretence of not missing anything until one afternoon when monsieur mutuel's patch of sunlight was in shadow and when according to all rule and precedent he had no right ever to bring his red ribbon out of doors behold here he was advancing with his cap already in his hand twelve paces off mr the englishman had got as far into his usual objurgation as what business when he checked himself ah it is sad it is sad alas it is unhappy it is sad thus old monsieur mutuel shaking his grey head what business at least i would say what do you mean monsieur mutuel our corporal hélas our dear corporal what has happened to him you have not heard no at the fire but he was brave so ready ah too brave too ready may the devil carry you away the englishman broke in impatiently i, I beg your pardon i mean me i am not accustomed to speak french uh, go on will you and a falling beam good god exclaimed the englishman it was a private soldier who was killed 
no a corporal the same corporal our dear corporal beloved by all his comrades the funeral ceremony was touching penetrating monsieur the englishman your eyes fill with tears what business monsieur the englishman i honour those emotions i salute you with profound respect i will not obtrude myself upon your noble heart monsieur mutuel a gentleman in every thread of his cloudy linen under whose wrinkled hand every grain in the quarter of an ounce of poor snuff in his poor little tin box became a gentleman's property monsieur mutuel passed on with his cap in his hand i little thought said the englishman after walking for several minutes and more than once blowing his nose when i was looking round that cemetery i'll go there straight he went there and when he came within the gate he paused considering whether he should ask at the lodge for some direction to the grave but he was less than ever in a mood for asking questions and he thought i shall see something on it to know it by in search of the corporal's grave he went softly on up this walk and down that peering in among the crosses and hearts and columns and obelisks and tombstones for a recently disturbed spot it troubled him now to think how many dead there were in the cemetery he had not thought them a tenth part so numerous before and after he had walked and sought for some time he said to himself as he struck down a new vista of tombs i might suppose that every one was dead but i not every one a live child was lying on the ground asleep truly he had found something on the corporal's grave to know it by and the something was bebel with such a loving will had the dead soldier's comrades worked at his resting-place that it was already a neat garden on the green turf of the garden bebel lay sleeping with her cheek touching it a plain unpainted little wooden cross was planted in the turf and her short arm embraced this little cross as it had many a time embraced the corporal's neck they had put a tiny flag the flag of france at his head and a laurel garland mr the englishman took off his hat and stood for a while silent then covering his head again he bent down on one knee and softly roused the child babel my little one opening her eyes on which the tears were still wet babel was at first frightened but seeing who it was she suffered him to take her in his arms looking steadfastly at him you must not lie here my little one you must come with me no no i can't leave theophile i want the good dear theophile we will go and seek him babel we will go and look for him in england we will go and look for him at my daughter's babel shall we find him there we shall find the best part of him there come with me poor forlorn little one heaven is my witness said the englishman in a low voice as before he rose he touched the turf above the gentle corporal's breast that i thankfully accept this trust it was a long way for the child to have come unaided she was soon asleep again with her embrace transferred to the englishman's neck he looked at her worn shoes and her galled feet and her tired face and believed that she had come there every day he was leaving the grave with the slumbering babel in his arms when he stopped looked wistfully down at it and looked wistfully at the other graves around 
it is the innocent custom of the people said mr the englishman with hesitation i think i should like to do it no one sees careful not to wake bebel as he went he repaired to the lodge where such little tokens of remembrance were sold and bought two wreaths one blue and white and glistening silver to my friend one of a soberer red and black and yellow to my friend with these he went back to the grave and so down on one knee again touching the child's lips with the brighter wreath he guided her hand to hang it on the cross then hung his own wreath there after all the wreaths were not far out of keeping with the little garden to my friend to my friend mr the englishman took it very ill when he looked round a street corner into the great place carrying babel in his arms that old mutuel should be there airing his red ribbon he took a world of pains to dodge the worthy mutuel and devoted a surprising amount of time and trouble to skulking into his own lodging like a man pursued by justice safely arrived there at last he made bebel's toilette with as accurate a remembrance as he could bring to bear upon that work of the way in which he had often seen the poor corporal make it and having given her to eat and drink laid her down on his own bed then he slipped out into the barber's shop and after a brief interview with the barber's wife and a brief recourse to his purse and card-case came back again with the whole of bebel's personal property in such a very little bundle that it was quite lost under his arm as it was irreconcilable with his whole course and character that he should carry bebel off in state or receive any compliments or congratulations on that feat he devoted the next day to getting his two portmanteaus out of the house by artfulness and stealth and to comporting himself in every particular as if he were going to run away except indeed that he paid his few debts in the town and prepared a letter to leave for madame bouclet enclosing a sufficient sum of money in lieu of notice a railway train would come through at midnight and by that train he would take away babel to look for theophile in england and at his forgiven daughters at midnight on a moonlit night mr the englishman came creeping forth like a harmless assassin with babel on his breast instead of a dagger quiet the great place and quiet the never-stirring streets closed the cafes huddled together motionless their billiard-balls drowsy the guard or sentinel on duty here and there lulled for the time by sleep even the insatiate appetite of the office of town dues mr the englishman left the place behind and left the streets behind and left the civilian inhabited town behind and descended down among the military works of vauban hemming all in as the shadow of the first heavy arch and postern fell upon him and was left behind as the shadow of the second heavy arch and postern fell upon him and was left behind as his hollow tramp over the first drawbridge was succeeded by a gentler sound as his hollow tramp over the second drawbridge was succeeded by a gentler sound as he overcame the stagnant ditches one by one and passed out where the flowing waters were and where the moonlight so the dark shades and the hollow sounds and the unwholesomely locked currents of his soul were vanquished and set free 
see to it vauban of your own hearts who gird them in with triple walls and ditches and with bolt and chain and bar and lifted bridge raise those fortifications and lay them level with the all-absorbing dust before the night cometh when no hand can work all went prosperously and he got into an empty carriage in the train where he could lay babelle on the seat over against him as on a couch and cover her from head to foot with his mantle he had just drawn himself up from perfecting this arrangement and had just leaned back in his own seat contemplating it with great satisfaction when he became aware of a curious appearance at the open carriage window a ghostly little tin box floating up in the moonlight and hovering there he leaned forward and put out his head down among the rails and wheels and ashes monsieur mutuel red ribbon and all excuse me monsieur the englishman said monsieur mutuel holding up his box at arm's length the carriage being so high and he so low but i should reverence the little box forever if your so generous hand will take a pinch from it in parting mr the englishman reached out of the window before complying and without asking the old fellow what business it was of his shook hands and said adieu god bless you and mr the englishman god bless you cried madame bouclet who was also there among the rails and wheels and ashes and god will bless you on the happiness of the protected child now with you and god will bless you in your own child at home and god will bless you in your own remembrances and this from me he had barely time to catch a bouquet from her hand when the train was flying through the night round the paper that enfolded it was bravely written doubtless by the nephew who held the pen of an angel homage to the friend of the friendless not bad people bebel said mr the englishman softly drawing the mantle a little from her sleeping face that he might kiss it though they are so too sentimental himself at the moment to be able to get out that word he added nothing but a sob and travelled for some miles through the moonlight with his hand before his eyes end of story fifteen part two